Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. No, just kidding. Uh, well, a little bit. No, a little bit. A little bit. Howdy, folks. Uh, happy Friday. We are back. It is 2020. Uh, and if I see one more gif of Barbara Walters on Facebook or Twitter. I haven't seen any. Oh, I've seen a ton. Through, okay. You know, because, you know, she did the show with Hugh Downs 2020. So ah. everybody's using, using that as the gift. Like, I'm Baba Wawa and this is 2020. You know, whatever. I was just like really roaring 20s. We couldn't come up with anything better. <laughs> no. Yeah. All I need now is a is a drunk Warren Harding as our president. Oh, wait, wait a second. That's pretty close. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, boy. All right. We're going to do some pre-show stuff and it may include some spoilers of some movies that are out for Christmas. So if you didn't see them too freaking bad, go ahead, Russ. You waited too long. So interestingly enough, I just read that back for return of the Jedi, that Ian McDermott, who plays Palpatine, Emperor Palpatine, um, wasn't in the theatrical, the original plan for the theatrical cut. And they had somebody named Marjorie something play the actual character and some man doing the voice. And the issue is because there was such a big Palpatine role in the third act of Return of the Jedi that they decided to, at the last minute, change it to McDermott. And who knew all these years later that that would become an integral part in the new movie. And it just goes to show you how it's easy, like, it's not easy to plan for these things. Like, we talked about with all the Avengers movies, right? Like, when you have to plan for all of that, there's a lot of things that go wrong. People die. Yes. And you don't know if technology can change that. When they first started Star Wars, you didn't know that they would be able to bring people back with technology. You always just assumed it would just be a hologram thing like they did um, back in the day when uh, Alec Guinness died. Right. So... But this is an amazing thing because Ian McDermott is still alive and did still make it in the in the last one. And it's they people people do believe it would have changed things forever if he was not in Return of the Jedi, which I kind of have to agree with that. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm uh, the, with the Harry Potter Potter movies. Uh, Richard Harris was the original. Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the on the main I'm character. Talking, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And everybody else does. But I've never seen Harry Potter, but I know who Richard Harris is. Well, Richard Harris was, and then he was replaced by Michael Gambon. He was the uh, he was the uh, the main old character. I, and I'm I'm sorry, I I know who it is. I I'm just somebody in the chat will probably say it. And I'll, yeah, they'll know. I'll punch myself. Um, yeah, somebody in the chat will definitely know. Yeah, it's it's early, it's early stage senility here, Kevin. I'm sorry, I mean, it just happens. But no, you, you actually, I think sometimes when they change the original, um. Like, for example, Star, I'll go to Star Trek. I loved the original series, but one of the things that was great about the original series was that the special effects were so bad that they were like, it was humorous. Right. So when they put the Star Trek original series, I think it was on DVD, they updated 
like like the my favorite episode of the the Doomsday Machine when uh this this uh planet gobbling machines cutting up planets and attacks uh another starship and attacking the Enterprise and this the in the original series it basically looked like cream cone that was firing out fire that's how bad it was it looked really bad right. and then when they put it out you know they had uh, like laser beams and it was yeah, the, the, the it was it took away from the sort of campiness of the original series it's like just leave it alone yeah, yeah. I, i'll say this i agree with that i never saw like the star wars with the added effects i never went in a movie theater for it. i never bought them because i liked it the way it was but i will tell you years ago they really just took people for fools. Perfect example is the makers of Bewitched when they tried to trade, change Dick Yark for Dick Sargent. Like, I don't know what they thought. And I guess they felt like people didn't care enough about the show to, to realize that the actor for Darren had changed completely. No, right. I was young. I was, I was probably 10 years old and I was like, what the hell is going on here? What, what it was, Russ, is that everybody was looking at Elizabeth Montgomery and nobody cared who Darren was. But Kevin was around then. Kevin, what was your? Yeah, no, <laughs> it was it, around that. I I had the same re same reaction. But you know what's interesting about that is now through the years, like you know, we've had several different James Bonds, and you know, we don't we're not bothered by that. But at a TV series, I think it was, you know, it was a little bit uh, you know different to you know to to say the least. Um, but well, we, we had problems when it was Timothy Dalton. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, but they but they keep switching, you know, people. Now Daniel Craig is done, and you know the franchise is not done. So, right. you know, we'll just keep marching on, and uh, we'll keep, you know, showing up for sure. Well, well, how do you explain, Kev? How will you explain to your grandchildren that James Bond is 115 years old and five different guys? <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't think it'll ever come up. <laughs> that be my guess. I think that's what every parent and grandparent thinks for a lot of subjects, and they do come up. You know, it's going to come up. Well, 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 you know what, what's interesting, though. I, I mean, I agree with what uh, Mike said about the campiness of, uh, you know, S Star Trek, and and the show for me that's like that was Lost in Space. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and what's interesting about that is, is I I do watch now the new Lost in Space. I do too. Which is very sophisticated, and mm -hmm. um, and quite enjoyable. And completely different, like you know, in the in the old Lost in Space, you know, the warning, warning, warning. It was just kind of silly. Yeah. Um. And you know, now these robot, the robot is a little bit scary, and there's multiple yeah. robots, and um, you know, the plot lines are sophisticated, and there's a lot more people. And you know, this is one case I think where the 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 newer show is much 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 better than the original no i agree and but i'll tell you what drew me to the newer show it was almost like brainwashing when i heard the theme song i was like all right i have to watch it i didn't realize how much as a little kid that i liked that theme song now yeah. years, years later i you know i review a lot of products right so i was at a show and i met bill Moomy, and bill Moomy was putting out an album and he said please review this and i was like Okay, he gave me the CD, and when I reviewed it, I did not give it a positive review. And the little kid in me felt bad that I had to give a bad review for Bill Mooney, who I liked as Will Robinson, and he's a great guy. Yeah, I mean, nothing is nothing is bad as the William Shatner album where he where he where he does McCarthy Park. It's up there, Mike. And oh I felt bad because he's a really good guy, but I really loved him as a TV character as a kid. I was like his same age. Oh my god! Anyway. Little, little, 
Yeah. All right, let's get started. Lots of hockey stuff to talk about. Hello, hockey world. Today is Friday, January 3rd, 2020. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and it's just another week. Kevin Allen here. And I'm Michael Magello, and Eklund will be joining us shortly, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Well, the phone is ringing off the hook for Kev. Uh, <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Now that I'm uh, unemployed, uh, it seems like everyone returns my call. I don't know what that's all about. So. <laughs> they they figure that you have some time right now, Kev. Now they want to talk to me. I think they they want to talk to me because I don't have any place to write it. So I hope it's not the people from Life Alert. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Or or it's Ed McMahon telling you. <laughs> Ed McMahon's not around, Mike. <laughs> uh, you know, though I will I will say this because uh, so many people have asked me. You know, there was a cliche that you've heard when you were young and you, you kind of uh, snickered at, which was. You know, people would say, you know, I don't know how, how now that I'm retired, I don't know how I ever found time to work because I'm so busy. And, you know, since I've lost my job, I find that I have so little time because <laughs> I got so much, you know, going on. I'm, you know, I mean, I'm obviously looking for another job, um, you know, because I'm not working. There are greater expectations at home. Um, so, you know, you try to fit it all in and the next thing you know, your, you know, your day's gone and you say, just what happened, you know, That's and, a good and I'm still trying to keep current with hockey. And then I feel like I'm off. So I should take time out and watch a bowl game here and there or whatever it is that I'm, I'm interested in. I've doubled my movie, uh, <laughs> watching, uh, you know, I think I'd only seen like three movies at the theater and now I've seen three in the last three weeks. Well, well let me, let me ask you about that since, cause I've, you know, now it's getting to like Oscar season, golden globe season. Uh, what's the best that you've seen in the last couple of weeks? Well, I mean, I, I didn't, I went to movies where, um, I, uh, like, because other people wanted to go. So I, um, I've, I saw the star Wars movie because my son wanted to see it. And uh, people had told me had, had, that it had, you know, n not good reviews, um, but I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, we enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what, to, you know, I'm not, I guess I'm not hardcore enough into my Star Wars watching that I don't really care right. that um, that, she, that her training to be a Jedi um, wasn't long enough. Right. Um, and um, some of the other things that bothered people didn't bother me. Um, I thought... <clears throat> you know, I had a little love story at the end, and yeah. everything was good. And I, I, I found I think, it. I, I think it was just what you wanted it to be, considering we were following it for forty years. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, I went with my uh, wife and daughter. I saw Little Women, and uh, what I was interested in that is, is I had watched, followed Greta Gerwig's career. She was an independent filmmaker, and I saw a lot of her early films. Um, and I thought she was terrific and I thought she was going to make it big. So it feels like I kind of discovered her. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, now that she's made it big, you know, I want to see all of her movies, but well, that's a remake, right? Wasn't that movie? Yeah. Like a long time yeah ago? I think it was one in the thirties. that in goes the 30s, right? Yeah. I think the thirties one was Catherine Hepburn and there was one in the <clears> with, yeah. with Winona Ryder. Um, but you know, this, this sticks to the book and, um, I, I you know, I, I thought it was, uh, uh, you know, a good film, and uh, you know, I thought uh, you know everyone did a good job. Now I'm trying to think of what other movie. Well, uh, the one I'm looking forward to is 1917. It's not. Me too. I'm very yeah. excited about that. Um, yeah. I, I will tell you this. Uh, 
uh, to give a review, um, you know, I've watched a lot of movies on like Netflix, and one of them I watched is T thirty four. Now it's a Russian tank movie. Yeah, I need to tell you. So it, it was actually produced in Russia. It's dubbed, but it's okay. Like I mean, okay, uh, and and it's about and the premise of it is so incredible. But I guess it's sort of based on a true story. But um, a Russian tank crew that's uh, ca you know captive is going to be used by the uh, German troops to kind of train German tanks. They're going to put them in a tank and then let them run around, and they don't get any ammo, and the German tanks get to shoot at them. So, so target practice, nice. Well, and then somehow they figure out how to get away, and then they're on the run, um, <laughs> and they're trying to, um, you know, break out and you know get back to a neutral con uh, country. And it, it, it was actually an entertaining movie. I I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'll tell you the best movie that I've seen on any of the services, but I don't have Disney Plus. So if you're expecting something from that, I, I don't have it. Um, I think Six Underground, and I'm not usually a Michael Bay fan. But that movie was really good. Ryan Reynolds was really good in that. And it, it was for a Netflix movie. Like we are now starting to see movies on digital services that never make it to the movies that are better than movies in the theaters. Hell, two of the two of the Netflix movies are are leading contenders for the Oscars. I mean, Marriage Story, who's uh, uh, I, I, I've seen that. That's I've very good. That the report. The report. Yeah, I haven't seen yet. And uh, I hear. Uh, I, I've seen two lists that said that is the best movie that's come out this season. Yeah, I, I also that's, that's, an, that's an Amazon Prime one. That's with the Netflix. Oh, yeah. But uh, and yeah, that, I haven't seen that one yet either. And the Irishman, obviously. I have seen the Irishman as well, and that's fantastic. I saw the Irishman. Okay, now Kev, did you watch it in one sitting, or did you like pause oh, it? No, I watched it all the way through. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I paused it a couple times and, and came back to it. I really did like it. I felt like, look, was it the best movie that? Al Pacino's ever done? No. It was probably not the best movie that any of them ever did, right. but I think it, it fit well together. Yeah, well, I, just, I, I just wish they would have done it 10 years ago. That's well, all. That, that's the only That's the only critique I have, when they were a little younger. Oh, I, I, I wasn't. I thought that they would actually fit the characters better, but um, the um, uh, what, I, what, I, what I saw from that is they were able to get all these actors, because it's really an actor's vehicle. Like, yeah. You know, it's it's set up for these actors to really do what they do best, and like every one of them is good. Yeah. Like, you know, there's no performance in there where you think, "Well, that guy's weak. That guy doesn't fit." Um, <clears throat> you know, he's not selling me. They're they're all just terrific. Um, in in what they do, I thought Joe Pesci in particular was. Yeah. You know, it, like it didn't even look like him. Um, no. and no. he they just did a, a phenomenal job, and because I. I've grown up in Michigan, and I know the Jimmy Hoffa story. It was particularly relevant to me. Well, I think they did shine a little bit of light on the ending of Jimmy Hoffa more than I had heard or seen before. Well, that's just one of the theories. There's a lot of people right. that don't, don't actually subscribe that that's actually true. You know, um, there's one that says he's under the Meadowlands. Yeah, well, there's Germany. a lot of different theories. But the guy who wrote the book that, you know, the Irishman, um, the, he wrote that book first. And it didn't sell. And then he went back in and put in the Jimmy Hoffa stuff. And suddenly it really sold. Right. And so there are people that believe that he just kind of added to that. And there are some people, um, you know, there was supposedly someone in Michigan that knew. And, they're, you know, the FBI uh, 
um, you know, thought that he would tell them on his deathbed, but he didn't. He never uh, revealed the uh, the information. Um, now, what the FBI says, um, and they've been quoted in Michigan papers, is is that they have a pretty good read on what they think uh, has ha happened to him, but they can't prove it, um, and therefore they're not. They don't. They revealed it. Yeah, it's still sealed. Now, at some point, it will. At some be point, it'll get unsealed, though. Yeah, at some point it will be unsealed, but they feel like they know what happened. All right, let's talk some hockey here. Uh, the news of the day uh, was the signing of Ilya Kovalchuk by the Montreal yeah. Canadiens. Uh, Kevin, not surprising in the sense that the Canadiens have uh, a string of injuries, Drouin, uh, Armia, Byron, latest being Brendan Gallagher with a concussion. They're falling out of the race. I believe they're at 42. They're nine points behind Toronto in second place in the Atlantic. Um, I, personally, I, I thought that Montreal was a borderline team this year, but they needed, needed to stay healthy, and they're not healthy. So this is a low-risk move. If it works, it's great. If it's not, if it, if it doesn't work, it's a two-way contract. They can bury him in Laval or he'll retire again. Yeah, no, I, I you know – there's no criticism that can be directed uh, to the Canadians over this. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, I, I think <laughs> this is a, a perfect situation for them. Um, they get to roll the dice here with no risk whatsoever. Um, I think there's risk to the locker room, Kev. Like, I think I, I, you know, you, 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 you're going to say that, and yet I just watched a television show where people gave all this testimony about what a great guy he is, the guys who played with him. People now, who live next door to Ted Bundy said he was a great guy, too. Pardon me? People who live next door to Ted Bundy said he was a great guy, too. You, you know, that's a cliche that's used often for people that don't have anything else to say. Oh. So, so, but uh, the the truth is, now, saying all that, I've heard that as well. But I just watched a hockey show, and, the, the, you know, a guy told the incredible story about how he showed up and um, – uh, uh, Kovalchuk, uh, he had no sticks, and Kovalchuk said, here, take six of mine, and then everyone else chimed in and said there was a period when he, um, uh, you know, the, the joke was Ilya Kovalchuk, party of one uh, in Atlanta, and then there was a period when he just changed, and he became the nicest guy in the, in the world. And will, he that, that one, will he try and deflect one Shea Weber shot? I don't think so. Well, well but, but, what, but there's no risk here. Like, you know, you know, I don't think he's going to dominate the locker room. I mean, you know, he's no, no, no. But what I'm saying is, you have to make great concessions to fit him, even on your power play. Look how lousy the Kings' power play was with Ilya Kovalchuk. Well, and you have to make concessions to put him on it. Well, right now, the no concessions have to be made because most of the top six of the Canadians are on the injured list. I mean, for Shea Weber, like that's my point is Ilya Kovalchuk is going to look to be fed the most on that power play, and if he doesn't score a ton of goals then all of a sudden it becomes like a frustrating thing. The other thing that kind of worried me is, I don't know if you guys saw that picture on TSN. That looked like Ilya Kovalchuk's father. He looked like he aged 10 years in like two. Come on, Russ. He's frosting. He's frosting. Okay. Well, I mean, it may not work out. I mean, Russ, you could be right, but I just don't see where the risk is here. Uh, you know, I don't think even if he, if he was a bad guy, I don't think at this point in the season that he's going to turn over – uh, and create uh, a problem in the dressing room, not, you know, coming in. No, you know, he probably won't. I mean, he just – I just but, think – I think there's too much focus on him, whether it's his fault or not. Well, and I think that unless he comes through, that Montreal press is going to eat him alive. Well, what, what I'm surprised at mildly, Kev, is that a contending team 
especially with the fact that Kovalchuk would only cost $700,000 prorated, wouldn't have taken a chance on him. Apparently, from what I understand from the reports after he signed, Montreal thought about it, said, nah, then the injuries happened, and they said, why not? What the hell? Right. And I'm yeah. Like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, the way you set this trade up is that, I mean, this is a well, what the hell trade. We might as well try it. You know, I mean, uh, if he's show, I mean, he's not that far removed. I mean, it's 2020, so a year and a half or almost two full years from, you know, the way he played at the 2018 Olympics. And he looked there like he could score. Um, so, you know, did he I'll, wait, I'll wait until Montreal comes through and I'll ask Pat Hickey and he'll tell me the lowdown. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be that'll be like a few weeks or a month into it, and then I'll have a good idea. If, yeah, he's, if no. he's still there, because this might be a stopgap thing for three weeks, and that's right. a thing. You know, if it doesn't work, I I, I think that they will bury him. I, I don't, you know, I think they'll take a look and see if he fits and see if he can score some goals, and you know, and, and we've seen so often with you know guys fit sometimes with one team but not with another, and vice versa. So, well, we're joining right. back. <laughs> You've missed a good start to the show. Russ compared uh, Ilya Kovalchuk to Ted Bundy. Oh, uh, usually I'm the one, but okay. Usually I'm the one who goes a little above and beyond. No, no, no. What did go wrong with that, Russ? It's, you had to be there. It, it wasn't a straight comparison. It's a no, new year. It was not. I'm, I'm I have not seen Ted Bundy uh, take a slap shot. I didn't want to say anything else, but I've not seen him ever take a slap shot. We we just talked about Kovalchuk. Uh, and, and like I said, I, yeah. I I consider this a complete no lose for Montreal because they you know it's a two way deal. They can send them down to Laval if it doesn't work out, or they yeah. can do that when their injured players come back. So I I think this is okay. It's okay. It's understandable. It's kind of funny, like a two way deal with the same contract in both places. Is that really a two way deal? I mean, no. And he would no no no, 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 no. He's not getting seven. It's it's. I heard it was seven hundred thousand in both. No, no, seventy thousand in the AHL. That's a one way. If, it, if it's seven hundred in both places, that's a one. It's one way. If it's seven, right. it's not a one way. Yeah, I think it's not a one way. Are you sure it's not the same contract in the same place? It's not. It's no. I heard it was seventy thousand. Oh, it's seventy thousand. Yeah, but he'll never play in the AHL, so it doesn't. No, of course, he'd never go there. You know, that's okay. Okay, I misunderstood that. Then that makes sense. The one thing I'll say about this is, um, you know, not to compare him to Ted Bundy. I'm going to try something a little bit different than that, um, but. <laughs> Is uh, I I'm going to go with um with Alexei Kovalev, who I sort of compared him to today, and and you know Kovalev was better than Kovalchuk when he went to Montreal. Still, he had more more left in his game, and he wasn't you know, but he'd also had some places where he'd gone and been a disaster, like Kovalchuk just had in L.A. That 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 had happened in different places, right? And um, with Kovalev, you know, it really worked in Montreal. Like it just from, mm -hmm. and and I think there is something different about Montreal than any other city. And perhaps this is something that like a Russian can get his, can, 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 you know, can wrap his hands around. I don't know. Maybe it's a really good gamble. I'll tell you the only difference. Cause I know Kovalev really well, believe it or not. He was like, almost like having another coach on the team. Yeah. He was not smart and would coach up a lot of guys. I don't know. Is Claude Julian going to let Kovalchuk do that? I don't know. No, no. I, mean, I, I think different, it's different in that way, but there is something to the, you know, the, the Russian, like, you know, Kovalchuk likes to be revered, you know, like he likes yeah. to be, he definitely has an ego to him. No questions asked. Right. Um, as all hockey players do, but some Russian hockey players, you know, have like a different kind of, like he really, he wants to be revered. 
Um, I think him, him playing again in the NHL is, is part of that. I think part of it is just his ego, like saying, I'm not going to go out on that. You know, I'm not going to go out on that tone. Um, so I think he will. He, he has a, he has more potential to be revered in Montreal maybe than most places because they can fall in love with players there and they can they can really, you know. Fans, what about the media? If he doesn't produce pretty quickly there, I think the media would be very tough on him. Yeah, I think I think now the media is tough on everybody in Montreal, so I don't think it's much. I mean, I do. I and how much do you expect him to produce for seven hundred thousand? You know, like what is what is the money irrelevant? They need goals out of him, right? Yeah, no, I think the I think the money is irrelevant in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I also think that you know this is a guy who has more of like a of a European mentality. He's he's flashy. There's no question about that. He has, has the ability to be you know to make some pretty spectacular plays even still like he still has you know we don't know how much speed he has left in the tank but he's still you know even in la when he first started there he had some moments where he looked you know like flat it wouldn't be too surprised if he comes in and like has a couple really good games if i'm kovalchuk's agent i'm telling him just come in to just go into just go into montreal and just do something spectacular and something really you know really awesome at a high speed and you'll they'll they will well, follow with you immediately kind of thing well the, the high speed might be a problem i know he's not that he's not he's not he doesn't you know and kovalev is like i said kovalev was further along but the way kovalev was viewed i mean you saw him in new york russ they tried to like run him out of town on a rail in new york and and in montreal they were holding rallies to try to the fans were holding rallies to try to keep him you know so, so like there was like it was a few yeah. and they were like very years after that yeah, Love was a great stick handler and the great fans yeah. of Montreal, you know, appreciated his his skill. I, you know, I, I, I think we're probably getting too deep into this. I, yeah. I think that oh, I'm sure we are. Um, you know, I, I, I think they'll bring him in and uh, they'll see what he can do. And it may not, as Mike said, it may not be a long time. It, it, you know, they may know right away whether it works or not. If I, wanted, um, I, I yeah. wanted to. I wanted to ask you about this as soon as the incident happened because I know that, you know, you know John Tortorella pretty well. I do. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I thought that the, the, the treatment that he got from the NHL in terms of the fine and the, 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 the following fine that's sort of hanging over his head like a sort of Damocles, uh, you know, that if he basically opens his mouth one more time in – a calendar year, he's going to get a $25,000 fine. He was right. He was right. He was right about the criticism of, of what the NHL did, not putting the time back on um, that, that Columbus got screwed mm. out of a goal. And then because they had to go to a shootout, Corpus Allo got hurt. He was right. Does that even matter to the NHL? I, I think it, I think it does, but I'm, I'm not, first of all, I'm not sure that they would admit they were wrong, but, Right. You know, where he goes wrong is, um, you know, even if he is right, um, it, it, you know, that's just not the forum to, to you know. Um, and I, I, I thought he's I thought it was calculated. I thought he was trying to rile up his team. Yeah. I thought he was trying to tell, you know, his team, I got your back, you know, because they're you know, they've played very well lately. They have. And um, I think he just wanted to show them. I'm with you, boys. Yeah. And I, I felt, and everybody was down. I also think he was frustrated by the injury. I think they didn't know how well Elvis could perform. It's turned out he's been good in his two games, but they didn't know that because he hadn't played well um, when they had tried him before. And I think that was total frustration and then somewhat calculated because I think he wanted to tell his team, I'm with you on this. 
Um, but the way to handle that, if you believe, I mean, I think if they if he had gone in and made a good case, um, you know, for what happened and explained it all and had written a memo, he would have gotten further. Then you think they're gonna, you think referees now when they go in there are gonna be <laughs> feeling uh, real, um, you know, pro John Torrell? I don't think so. Mike and I were talking about this. We think there's a chance because this has been a frustrating season for John and he has held it in that towards the end of the season, he might give a $50,000 rant and only pay the 25 because they've already predetermined it. I don't think that's out of the question. I don't you know. Maybe I, I thought this one was kind of a, a controlled explosion, like something that topples a, you know, a defunct arena or <laughs> like, you know, they, like he set his charges and yeah. then he pushed the button and then he stood back. Like, yeah, and then you know, don't you think he's, like, gotten, like, he's gotten smarter with age and knows? Yeah, like, I mean, because we've seen him yeah. um, when he's really uh, off the rails. And yeah. uh, um, this one just seemed like he said his piece. He, he he used cuss words for, for exclamation points and emphasis. And then um, <laughs> um, uh, then he kind of stepped back. But, um, you know, whether – I. You know, the other issue about John Tortorella is he's done this enough now that it's like the boy who cried wolf. That's true. Sure. But what about the other issue? I think torts aside, let's push torts aside and say, are they going to start doing this with players? I mean, if they do this with a coach, why aren't they putting a future bounty on Tom Wilson for the next bad thing he does? Well, first of all, you're limited to what you can do to a player by the CBA. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, no coaches CBA. Yeah. So um, you're not, you know, you know you're not uh, – you're not limited with coaches. So I've noticed Torts has like three different kinds of rants, like over the years. I might be at least three, but this, these are the three that I've seen. And see if you're going to add to add these or anything. Like he has the rant when, you know, the press conference rant where he just, where he sits up there and either just says nothing or says things in such an obnoxious way um, that he really doesn't, he just, that's just like, it's a silent, it's like the silent rant that he has, which is just completely like, yo, whatever. And that tends to be, thrown at the media but aimed at his like gm i've noticed like there seems that there's a thing where he he gets most frustrated i think when he feels like he doesn't have the players to do what he wants to do and i feel like i feel like the torts definitely has a and he will never he'll never of course ever he's a company person will never say my gm's not giving me the players i need and in and in columbus's situation you know where you've had players leave that have really the gm couldn't do anything about because it had nothing to do with them anyway but he has he definitely doesn't feel like he's got the players. I've been waiting for that kind of Tortorella rant, like the I don't have the players rant. Um, you he know. won't say he doesn't have the players, but he will call out players. I mean, he killed Anthony Duclair to the point where he said he can't play in the NHL, and Anthony Duclair is an all-star now. So I think Torts can go horribly wrong with that sometimes. Yeah, I know he does. But he also he has then he has his he has, he has his thing where he goes against goes after the team. But that's usually like the opposite. That's a very verbal rant, like as opposed to a quiet rant. He'll go verbally at you know he'll he'll say it in the press conference. He'll, he'll any you know talk to anyone who will listen. You know, kind of thing. Um, you know, he'll get that out too. Yeah, but and, but then and then there's the passive aggressive Tortorella, which is a completely different. Which you know I don't know what the, that's another. That that he knows he's going. That's what this felt like a little bit to me. He knows he's going to get punished for it. Well, uh, so he's just going to say it and do the best he can to say it anyway. Like, but uh, as a fellow hot-headed Italian, um, he may be hot-headed, but he's not stupid. He's not going to attack Yarmo or the Columbus Blue Jackets organization because they'll fire his ass. 
think oh, no, he never he never has he never really has if I, remember, I don't remember him ever ever even in in anywhere he's been gone after but he's he's definitely said things under under his breath that oh this is the bit you know i gotta and, do right and, and remember he got a contract extension a month or so before um before the end of the season last year i believe and he knew the direction they were going. They they sold out for Duchesne. They sold out for Dzingel. They knew they weren't going to re-sign Panarin and Bobrovsky. He knew this team was going to be not bereft of talent, but severely limited in terms of talent going into this year. He got his contract. He, I think he's done an actually a pretty good job, like Kevin was oh, saying. They're turning it around with a, with, a, with a skeleton crew. Oh, I agree, and that's the only reason he's there. I mean, if you, Tortorella, they know Tortorella is a good coach. Um, you know, Yarmo knows yeah. he's a good coach, or else he's not yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right about that. Um, let me make a few points about this to yeah. kind of put this all in context because sometimes with all the rant and everything, we forget some factors here. Um, you know, number one, he is an exceptional coach. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, you talk to anybody who's played for him, and he gets a lot out of his talent. And uh, contrary to popular opinion, uh, even though he's hard on players, a lot of players like playing for him. Yeah. For some reason, this is not a Mike Babcock situation. <laughs> yeah. Jones, for example, um, likes yeah. uh, Tortorella. And there are plenty of players on that team. Um, and uh, he, he he's kind of, even though he's hard on players, players sort of view him as a kind of a player's coach. Because yeah, I think he's more honest, Kev. He's more honest than a Mike Babcock. Babcock will be veiled a lot of time with things that he says and things that he does. Torts will do it exactly the way he does it and really doesn't change. And that's right. fine. And the, the other thing is, is he's also a lot different than he was when he started because Eck made this point, but let's make it even more clear. He was explosive when he's with Tampa. He could lose control. Um, he didn't seem to care what he said. Um, and now he's a lot more controlled than he was. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, the other thing I'd bring and, up, but Kev, remember that when he was with the Rangers the first year, didn't he douse a fan with water in a water bottle? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the oh, same. No, he's going to do that. And the players, players love when he does that kind of stuff. The that guy was thirsty, Ross. Player, the yeah. point, players see him as like he'll say something that we can't say. Yeah. I think. So, yeah, yeah, he he he's a lot better. But this is the final point that I was mm -hmm. going to uh, make, and. One that I can't prove, but I believe it to be true. I think, and I know he won a cup with that Tampa Bay team. I think this is his all-time favorite team. And <laughs> I, I have this impression by watching him and listening to him talk about these these players. Mm -hmm. um, I think he likes all these guys, um, and I think he, he believes in them, and I think he thinks they can win it all because, you know, they, they just have the kind of chemistry that he likes. Um, I think it'll make a difference. And with regard to uh, for Anthony Duclair, I would say, and again, I don't have any proof of this, but if if we asked John Tartarella how he feels about that now, he's, he'd say I I made him a better player. Yeah, him out. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. I mean, everyone knew Anthony Duclair had talent and skill. You know, I mean, he was a. Uh, I mean, I, I I in my what thirty wacky predictions like three years ago said he would be an all-star, you know, and I'm late, but you know, Hey, <laughs> um, but you know, but yeah, because playing time too. Did you specify AHL or NHL? No, because you, because there are some highlight videos you will see of Anthony yeah. declare yeah. that would blow your mind. You know, you'll see a like, playing time to be able to become an right, all. -star. You'll see that. And, and Kevin's right. This, this is not just, it's not just Twitter about liking these players. He also likes the whole concept of Columbus. I think the working like class Columbus 
situation and the fact that that Columbus also has like there's nothing a coach likes more than being able to say he's a superstar he doesn't want to play for us fine go go somewhere else we're going to win without you I mean that's like that's something that I think plays into Tortorella's psyche that's of, right up his alley yeah. yeah he likes that he's like he's like yeah we don't Panarin what you know Panarin sure he's a great great player but you know I got other players here that want to play he can legitimately say that in that situation which is something right. you, hear, you hear said a lot but he can actually say that that plays right up I mean, I and I and I think yeah, I think he really likes Yarmo and Zito and all those guys too. I think they are, and it's funny, and they must like him too because the, at the end of the day, you know, he is he is a coach that players like who have success with him. He's a coach that players hate who don't have success with him, um, as, as well too. You know, and he he definitely, I mean, took he he took he's taking years of Girardi's life off of him. Right? I mean, he'll take he'll take a piece of it. You know, but, with you know, I think Kevin made a good point too by saying. Now incoming referees are going to be worse to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know that they were ever nice to him, so I think that – No, no, but they're going to be worse for a little while. You know, but here's a question I, I'd love to get your thoughts on, particularly mm -hmm. Russ, who's, you know, kind of been in the inside of this. Um, but, you know, basketball – I've heard basketball coaches, and basketball coaches have told me directly that one of the reasons why they do crazy things like get in officials' faces and get teed up all the time is because they really believe that – if you don't do that, you won't get the next call. If you yeah. do do that, I've never had a hockey coach tell me that. No. So, so do do did they believe that, or um, I mean, is that do you think that's part of it that I they get bored and get the next call? I don't think they believe it like a basketball coach or a football coach. Yeah, those two coaches in those leagues believe it. It doesn't work for managers in baseball. I think that's been clear for a long time. Yeah. And hockey, I've never had a coach sort of say that like well you know that helped me get this down the line i don't think that's i think you're right in, in baseball i can give you the example of this year i know for a fact that the yankees didn't get as many calls after aaron boone what started uh, yelling at the umpires and brett gardner started hitting the the top of the dugout with the baseball right. bat they, right. they basically he made one reference and they kicked him out of the game and they right. and they, they were very antagonistic towards boone so yeah in baseball earl weaver would not fly today i mean here's the thing too like you're talking about two other sports in baseball or i mean basketball and football where i think coaches feel that referees can call either like holding on every play or they can call a foul on almost every play and there's 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 more things i think that a coach that a, that a referee can can go your way or not go your way on in like or in in a in, a, in an ambivalent way you know what i mean like there's I like, say this though than hockey right i mean hockey has generally has like pretty pretty i mean you could you could call that a trip or not a trip but you know it's, it's a lot different than a hold or a foul true you know? there is one call on hockey though that i've seen coaches influence but they won't tell us that but i've seen it and that is the delay of game when players are supposedly throwing the puck over the ice on purpose flyers game last night with vegas when elaine Vigneault felt that that happened instead of yelling he stood on top of the bench and just made himself noticed so the refs all huddled up and then said, and this is at a big point in the game. This is giving them a six on three with not much time left in the game. And the refs huddled up and said, yeah, you know what? We think that was a delay of game. Now, Vigneault didn't do that. I kind of wonder if they would have done that because they were acting lukewarm before that. So I think on that kind of call, uh, it can be a little bit of a help. Perhaps. I mean, I, I, I always think that coaches should complain a little bit because I do think that 
I mean, I, I don't know. Is it Kevin? You're a soccer girl, soccer person too. It is as like a soccer, as a girl soccer coach. I'm the last person. I'm I, I'm always the I'm the I'm the guy who doesn't yell at every single ticky tack thing. A referee. I'm not the kind of guy who's looking for calls. Um, but yeah, and I've I've coached against guys who are those every ticky tack, and they and I've seen referees, you know, just get sick of them and basically say, okay, you know, fine. Yeah, I you know it was. I don't know. With soccer, uh, you know, my wife was a coach for 20 yeah. years in high school. And um, I always felt that she used to get calls because she was such a nice person. Yeah. You know, there, there you treated go. officials with great respect. And I don't know, you know, like the officials before and after the game always had time to talk to my wife. And, yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember one particular where I thought it was a, an incredibly offside play that they let go. And I, I always felt, I always joked with her that she got that call for all the niceness. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, she was not one either to do it. I, I don't know, you know, and we're being a little bit cavalier about, um, yeah. like, I, I, I don't think any of us are suggesting that referees um, hold the grudges no. forever. I, I, you know, to me, when I talk about this, not getting the calls, I just think it's human nature and, and, and subconsciously, you know, if a guy's screaming at you all the time, you're just not inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's all I'm suggesting. Yeah. suggesting. Because I, I think for the most part, I, as a, I've, I've had to explain this for years that, um, you know, most readers think that we care and we're, we slant our coverage toward one team or another. I've been accused in my years of being pro all 31 teams in the league at one time or another, <laughs> if depending on what had happened. And, you know, I always tell them, you know, you give us too much credit for, for caring about the outcome. You know, you know, yeah. we root and as a journalist, you root for the story. I mean, I'm more breaking news too. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Emily Kaplan's reporting that Jim Montgomery's entering uh, rehab for alcohol abuse. Okay. Ah. okay. So now we know that that stemmed into whatever else happened as to why he was fired. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, just because we there's been a lot, a lot of coach firings and situations, it was a remarkable, and I, I, we're not drawing any conclusions from this news, but the thing is, it was remarkable, Kev. It was almost a month ago, and there was literally nothing, not a word, even off, off, off the record from people about why Montgomery was fired. It was it was yeah. remarkable. I, I I was stunned. It's like nobody knew or nobody would say anything. I heard I heard a lot of rumblings, and a few of them led in this direction, but I kept my mouth shut. I honestly did. Well, I, I think everybody in the hockey world knows what went on, but um, yeah. the uh, uh, you know what should be remembered here is, and this is what I would say: the same behavior by a player would not have caused them any issue. True, and um, the True. difference is, is is that players um, are protected by the CBA, yeah. um, and the coach is an employee of the team. Right. And every time um, he's on the road, he's representing the team. Um, so, in in that regard, his he's held to a higher standard. Um, um, if uh, you know, I mean, a player. I mean, you could discipline a player. Um, but you know, I you, you can't get rid of them like the 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 Dallas uh, Stars did of their coach. Yeah, yeah. 
Montgomery released a statement. It's brief. I'll just read part of it here. It says, losing my job as head coach of the Dallas Stars last month was a wake-up call. It was also the appropriate call. I let my team's front office staff and players down. More importantly, I let my wife and my family down. The team's decision to end my role forced me to look into the mirror and decide whether I wanted to continue living a damaging lifestyle or get help. I decided to get help. So there you go. Yeah. And that's why everybody kept saying he's a good coach because right. at least we're able to say he didn't affect any players past or present. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you know, they did go out of their way to point out he did nothing illegal yeah. right. and all that. And I, I think that the um, the alcohol rehab is a root of the issue. I think yeah. the behavior went beyond that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kev, getting off of this and talking about like some of the individual teams right now, I mean, a lot of news over the last 24 hours regarding the Sabres because they made a few deals. Um, they had been looking for forward help for most of the season. Uh, they they swapped Marco Scandella, a pending UFA, to Montreal for a draft pick, then turn around and trade the draft pick to Calgary for Mike, Michael for a week. And the same day that they do that, they lose their second highest scoring forward in Victor Olofsson to it sound looked like a high ankle sprain. So now uh, Olofsson is out, Skinner is out, and I, I mean. Honestly, I, like I thought the Sabres were borderline playoff team, and Eichel has been playing great of late, but he cannot do it by himself. It's Edmonton of the East. They don't have enough guys. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that's a tough loss for them all of a sudden, um, yeah. especially for a team that um, you know needs all hands on deck in order to make the playoffs. So I, um, but I, I like the trade. Flo for Leak is just a good hockey player. Yes, right? yes, you know, just a smart player. Does everything well, um, you know. He's not going to be a difference maker, but he's going to be a contributor, a significant contributor to your success. So I think it's the kind of move you make if you, you know, you you, you feel you're you're close. Um, yeah. And um, so they must feel confident in this, uh, uh, you know, team. And um, um, you know, I, I I'm still bullish on the Sabers. I think they're headed in the right direction. And um, but. Uh, Losing all of a sudden, I think that's a tough, you know, situation. They're not the Pittsburgh Penguins that are resilient enough. To no. Here, though, Kev, I think the the thing that we've learned here is we knew that Buffalo had been trying to make a trade for a while. We knew that Montreal was trying to make moves for a while, and it took three teams to make moves to make marginal moves for anything to happen this early. And and I think that's. Four yeah. because because Ottawa had to take Mike Riley right. off the Canadians' hands. Right. So I think that's why when fans of let's say the Flyers say, "Well, you know, Chuck Fletcher has to make a move," I'm sure he's been trying all along, but he has no cap space to do it, and so it could take another month for a team like the Flyers to make one move. Oh, that's yeah. the point. Well, I have a suggestion. Yes, I suggest that in July. Uh, let's make it a uh, third week in July so we'll get through free agency that they hold the symposium with John Chica, Jim Rutherford, and David Poyle sitting <laughs> at the front explaining how to make trades. That's a great point. Uh, because, you. you know, you got two veteran guys who always seem to find ways to manipulate their salary cap and to easily make moves. And then we have a young guy who's come in and made just an incredible number of trades. Now, some yeah. of them are, are, are minor. But but when you look at John's uh, list of trades, mm -hmm. uh, 
it's amazing the number of deals he's made. Uh, and I would add Doug Wilson yeah. to the list, but I think, you know what I think has to come into play for that? Well, he's able to make trades, Mike, whether we sure. like him or not, he's always been able to. Part of that has to do with the GM's personality and how many friends he's made in the league. Because now Chica being a new one, clearly he never really pissed off anybody. So teams were always willing to listen to him. The other guys we've talked about are very personable and they know all these other GMs. And so they're willing to listen and bend a little more for a guy like that, knowing that there could be something in the future too. If you're one of those GMs that have screwed another GM, like when Kevin Lowe did it or other things like that, that does hurt your ability to make deals down the road. But it isn't all about that. Otherwise, no, Holland would have been a great trader. <laughs> your cap guy has to be really good too. Well, but I mean, you know, Ken Holland is one of the most respected, nicest guys. Everybody yeah. likes him, everything else, and he just never made trades. I, I think yeah. there's there's an art to it, um, I, but I think you're right. I mean, it helps. You have to have, you know, good rapport with everybody, um, and um, all three of those people that we want to put on the roster are always are known as uh, you know real nice guys, easy to get along with. Um, but I also think there is, uh, you know, the art of making a deal, if I can use that without uh, political If Ken Hitchcock and Lindy Ruff were GMs, they would never make a deal with each other for obvious reasons, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Don't you think there's some ego involved here? Like, I mean, with, with, with Jake, I always think about, okay, you know, I know the GMs, they hate. They hate being taken by another GM, and they all think that they're smarter than everybody else. And yet, they all think that that you know, Chica is so young, and he can't possibly take me in a trade. I got him. I can make a deal here with him. I'm not worried that it's going to come back and bite me. Plus, it's Arizona anyway. Who cares? It's not like we're trading him to the Rangers or the. It could be that could be a factor. I think that the team and the fact that he's younger and the you know and they they just feel like you know they're smarter than him. Like I'm gonna I'm smarter than that kid, so I can make this trade. That, you know, and I'm, and I'm going to be right. He's going to be wrong. Well, you know, I had a lawyer friend, and uh, he, he always talked about whenever he'd win a case um, with another lawyer, um, he always would go over and uh, uh, say, you know, you, you just didn't have the facts on your side. There was nothing you <laughs> could do. Like, you did the best possible defense that you could put up in this, but, I, you know, the facts were on my side. And yeah. I really admire the job you did. Um, you know, it could have been a lot worse if not for the fact you were really good. And that's what happens in these trades. Like yeah. I'm always at the end, you always, the other guy says, yeah, you know, it's not like I gave up chopped liver, you know, he, he gave you know, he's got some good players back and, right. you know, and uh, I think that's part of the, you know, the part of the code, like you've got to yeah. uh, make, you got, you got to give the, the other guy enough so that he can sell it to his fan base uh, as well. If you want to go back to that person to make a trade right. again. So. I, I thought the Ottawa situation last year was one of the more untenable situations a, a team could have, you know, being as bad as they were, having a lot of UFAs and not having their own first-round pick. Kev, the San Jose Sharks are in that position this year. Yeah. They have a ton of talent. It's just not working. They fired their coach. The new coach is not doing any better than the old coach. And Ottawa has their first-round pick. Yeah. Yeah, This it's it's – you know they're in uh, double jeopardy, double yeah. you know purgatory. Uh, you know they're they're in a mess here. Uh, and I watched that team the other night. They got shut out by Detroit, um, worst team in the league. Uh, and uh, they just didn't look like a team that was going to go anyway. And the sad thing about it, and I think what's really handcuffing them is, you know, having thirty percent of their salary cap tied up with three defensemen. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the loss of Pavelski uh, is 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 clearly uh, hurt them in in two ways. One, it, it's hurt their offense, but secondly, it appears it's been a leadership created a leadership vacuum as well. Um, they they tried to change it up, but it hasn't worked. Yeah, I think it's like Jaws four now. Now I, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's not good. Michael Caine. <laughs> no. I'm not sure if Michael Caine was in that. I'll look that up. <laughs> I, I I tell you though, I I think this is the year Joe Thornton should say to them, "Yeah, go ahead, send me somewhere else that I got." Yeah, change yeah, you're car. right, Mike. And Mario Van Peebles, I don't even remember that. <laughs> no, I think you're right. It, it might, he might, he might, he might say that to him. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, he's had a, a miserable year, but I mean, I I can't imagine Joe Thornton couldn't help some contender as a oh yeah, still a great playmaker. Yeah, and if you need power play, like help in the power play, he's going to help you. Well, I mean, there's certain things he can definitely do. Dylan and Melker Carlson are also UFA too. They probably could get decent returns. Uh, I'll tell you, Dylan is going to get a lot of interest. He will get yeah. it. Yeah, no people like you know he's a feisty player, and uh, Wilson's going to have a hard time letting him go. They're going to. Oh yeah, I'd like. I'm sure they'd like to re-sign him. And Carlson's like a, enough of a veteran where some winner would want him. But the problem, but the problem is, is that you're trading off players and. You don't have your first round pick, and it's right. like you're getting you're you know you're going to get assets for those players, but all you're doing is improving chance Ottawa's chances of dra uh, drafting Alexi Lafreniere. So right, and actually, and in this draft, there's nothing San Jose could trade to get a first round pick in this draft. Right. Bill in our chat room thinks that that Thornton should be traded back to the Bruins. That would be a story and a half. That would be. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> never that, that would be a fun that would be a fun story there i like I that tell you, there's no way joe thornton would ever play for the bruins i would be a hundred percent shocked all right <laughs> uh, yeah i don't anything can happen you know like no nah, i mean there's some limits act but thornton's not kind of he, he, he i don't think he really holds grudges uh, I, don't I don't know i don't think he's the kind of guy who cares enough to like really make that mean anything you know what i mean like i don't know it's just like Joe is so laid back, it's kind of ridiculous. Like he is just He is, but I think that's the one place he wouldn't go. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure about that. Um, I had something kind of interesting here that I thought was kind of fun. We can kind of end the show with this. Um, we'll get Kevin back in a sec. He's, uh, yeah, he's taking a phone call, I think. No worries at all. Um, so uh, I saw this and I it, on Reddit and I kind of liked it. It was the two it was the it was the year, the calendar year of 2019 and the community cumulative leads league standings where you're just to take the year 2019, um, which means the second half of last year, the first half of this year, essentially. Um, and uh, and it, it, it's kind of interesting, like where some teams fall on this list. St. Uh, Louis would probably have the best record. St. Louis does. They would have they have 123 points um, cumulatively. Um, who would who do you think would be second? And this is what's the time frame again? This is just the year 2019. So you're just looking at you know starting last January. Okay, from last January to now. To now, yeah, to like yeah, Boston I think would be second. Boston is second. Boston at 119. So they're four they're four points behind the Blues. So they're your like, two Stanley Cup finalists last year. Kind of interesting. Washington. Washington's fourth um, with 112 points. It's a pretty good drop off there, you know, when you think about it. Um, it's not enough that it, you'd worry about it, though. Yeah, I mean, a drop off from like, I mean, just, I'm just saying from the Bruins, it's still seven points there, you know, just, you're looking at like a, a seven point difference there, essentially. Um, but yeah, so the Blues first, we're getting Kevin back in. I'm going to say the Avalanche. The Avalanche, uh, they are not they're not high on this list at all. They they are they have 94 points in the calendar year. Vegas. Vegas 93 points in the calendar year. 
So they have you have um you've gotten you've gotten three of the top four, but there are some really good uh they with Vegas over there. The Flyers uh, the Flyers are, are um not in the no much. they shouldn't be there. They're about I think they're tenth on this list somewhere around there. No way it's Toronto because Toronto had a bad second half and an early a bad first half in this year. And here's the interesting thing: the Flyers have 96 points in the last calendar year. Uh, the Maple Leafs have 95 in the last calendar year. Yeah. So. The, the Flyers and Maple Leafs are like 11th. They both may end up in the same place this year. They would no. be 11th and 12th. What we're talking about, Kevin, here is that if we were just take the calendar year of points uh, for 2019, so second half of last year, first half of this year, um, right. the Blues first 123, the Bruins second 119, the Caps fourth at 112. You guys still yeah. have the third team. What on about the- Winnipeg? I No, I, I, I the think – They're 94, so Flyers 96 points. I think, our, I think our Jets ninety four. I think our friend in the chat might be right. Our, our friend Frank. How about the Arizona Coyotes? Because second half oh, of yeah. they were hot. All right, yeah. the Coyotes are ninth on the list. Okay, um, they have ninety eight. Oh, I'm, I'm actually surprised they're not better. Yeah, yeah. ninety eight points in the last in, in the year to twenty nineteen so far. But yeah, that's a oh, third place team. Tampa. Not the Capitals. No, the Caps are the fourth place team. The third. What about Tampa. Tampa would be fifth at one ten. Who was third? Third, uh, it's, it's an Eastern Conference team. I'll give you that. Carolina, Carolina at one twelve. Yeah. yeah. So the Hurricanes, the third best in the last. Uh, and then, and so then, so I'll give you the quick list. Is so the, the Bruins, uh, the Blues, Bruins, Hurricanes, Capitals, Lightning, top five. Sixth would be the Islanders at one ten. Uh, seventh, the Penguins at one hundred four. Flames are eighth at one hundred, and then the Coyotes at ninety eight would be ninth, and the Stars. 97 points would be that would fill out your top 10. The bottom four team, the bottom five teams, um, Buffalo. Buffalo is third from the bottom. So they would be 29th, I guess. Detroit. Detroit is, would be 31st. Detroit has 60 points. Um, so that's half, less than half the points the Blues have in the year 2019. LA. LA is, uh, no, there's, there's six there. They're 25th. But the Ottawa. Ottawa, yeah. So Ottawa's 30th. So, you have the Red Wings, 31st, Ottawa, 30th, Sabres, 29th, the Devils at 28th, the Devils, yeah. and then the Ducks and the Kings, and then the Rangers. So that's yeah. that's your bottom list. So, yeah, it is kind of – I mean, you know, If you're out of that top 10, you're pretty much a bubble team still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought the Preds would be better. They're they're they're, they're at 94 I've points. I've about the Predators since I was in their locker room a fair amount. For the Winter Classic, they have a lot of passengers on that team. They are not; they have totally tuned out Peter Laviolette. When he used to be able to call a timeout and it would have an effect in the game, he did it during the Winter Classic. It looked like it was the perfect time. It changed nothing. That team has some issues there, and I don't think they're going to get solved this year. I don't. Well, I want to. I wanted to get Kev's thoughts on this before we end the show. Um, I've seen turnarounds before in terms of a coaching change and you get the bump that a new coach will bring. Uh, I don't think I've seen – other than Baruby last year, and it took a month or so for the Blues to turn it around, I haven't seen a, as dramatic a turnaround as Sheldon Keefe with the Leafs. He's 14-4-1. They're scoring over four goals a game. They were bottom half of the league in, on power play. Now they're number one since the change. Their penalty killing is better. Their goaltending is better. I mean, I mean, Kev, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, I, you know, is it does it say more about the guy who came in or the guy who left? 
Uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that this Maple Leaf team is so excited to, you know, sort of have the shackles off. And I just think it's fun to come to the rink again. And yeah. I don't think people were having fun. And, um, you know, that was the difference. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm writing a story now about the Penguins winning culture. And one of the things that's kind of emerged from this is that one of the reasons why the Penguins managed to be so resilient is, is that it's always so enjoyable to be <laughs> on that team. And, Kev, I'll give you another one. People want me to play it on the show, and I've said it before. But as an example, like signing John Marino as a free agent, teams would kill to have a defenseman, an extra defenseman like that with 18 points and offensive ability. He's a plus 15. If you wonder how the Penguins are surviving, that's one of the reasons, guys like that. Yeah, and you, and you have one goaltender who's won two Stanley Cups before the age of 24 and another one who was their second-round pick who's having one of the best years in the league. And they've, yeah. got to, they've got to choose one of them because, one, if they hold on to both of them, they're going to lose in the expansion. I mean, they get mileage out of guys. Dominic Simone, like they get mileage yeah, out of guys. I mean, and this goes back years like they've been yeah. able to do this. They find guys and they can make trades and – Wow. It's amazing. It is. It is a culture. And Crosby skated today, by the way, um, with a yeah. uh, practice or with the, you know, said, hey, Gensel out now four to six months. They're in trouble. I don't think they're in trouble. No, I don't either. I'm we have you. a question for Kevin. Everybody, when we get out of here, this question is from our, from our Red Wing, one of our Red Wings diehards, um, Funky Cold Zini in the chat room, who wants to know, Kevin, who will have more points this year? The Detroit Red Wings or the Detroit Tigers? Who have more wins? The Detroit Red Wings or the oh. Detroit Tigers? It's going to be very close. Uh, <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, I, I think that the, the the Tigers took a major league. I mean, signing Kron and uh, Shoup, um, you know, that's 45 home runs. So, right. uh, like, that, that, that'll that that'll give them the edge. Yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> so. I, li- I like that cost-effective signing of that guy Cole. The Yankees made a real, a real, real bang for the buck there. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's a heck of a pitcher, um, and you know that's going to be great for about four years. Uh, yeah, he's getting prior money. That's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, those contracts you have to look at them, and and you know, you know, you're basically paying that guy that length. The, the total money should be viewed as over four years for five right. years. Yeah. Nice. So. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, all the time we have for today. Thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us. As always, we will be back on Monday. And um, enjoy the weekend, guys. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.